Hi, it's Jasmine. You know, that girl who did you know what way before the internet ever existed. Join me and my special guest every week as we talk about anything and everything because nothing is too taboo. So punch your ticket and get on board the crazy train with me, Jasmine Saint Clair. All aboard! Now I beat all the charges. I have everything set up. I thought my life might come back to normal. I can't get a fucking booking anywhere because this documentary came out and just smeared the shit out of me. People are going to forget it. I mean, when you see the documentary, I, I, I'm, I'm telling you now, the guy has nothing else going on in his life. You're the most interesting person he's probably ever going to meet in his life. And there will be accountability. There will be accountability. And I, you know, I, I told you a few weeks ago, I will, I will help you get a lawyer to fight this because normally I stay out of these things, but I'm so sick of this cancel culture. Like Joey Ryan, I'm friends with Joey Ryan, and you're hearing all these things. There should be a statute of limitations when things happen, first and foremost. And, and secondly, sloppy flirting is not the same as sexual assault or physical assault. So you know, you got to hear the two sides. I heard their side. People now have heard your side. And I just think there's got to be something done. And filmmakers need to start being held accountable for things like this. It's This is not trial by TV. I, I just, yeah. I, had, I had enough, uh, I had enough balls to go to court and stand in front of a judge and a jury with my life on the line and under oath, answer all the questions that I was required to answer. And Never once did they find me guilty of any of that type of stuff ever. And the rest of it was all hearsay. And based on that happened once. So then everybody, oh, well, then we can just do it again and again and again. And they just keep bringing it up. Rape and confinement. And this girl went, I said, but none of it happened. Those girls are with me for six years. One was with me for six. One was with me for three and a half years. I was still friends with Michelle after. We still did business on cats because she kept her cats. She still has her cats. My ex-wife still has her cats. They still make money selling cats. That's what she said. I still have. So it's like, after all that, the, the, the worst thing I ever did to them was basically get them organized and show them how to make a lot of money uh, and be healthy and get them off the of drugs that they were doing before I ever met them. And that was my, and because I'm open and honest about the relationship that I was tired of dealing with escorts and driving them around and then watching them fuck all these guys while I have one girlfriend who's a, like a, a normal fucking wannabe wrestler in Texas. Let me just go down there and train with her and wrestle. You guys are making some money. I'll be back and forth. The second I left, they robbed my house. They took everything I had. And then I came home. My house was empty. And they'd taken all my cats and my dogs, all my stuff. Everything I ever had was taken the first six months. This was before I actually got charged. Then I, I tried to see my wife to talk to her. After six months of her hiding, I finally found her and went to talk to her. And I brought her some weed and some chicken from a restaurant we had an investment in in, Cal in Calgary. And uh, she went fucking crazy, started screaming and crying. I said, listen, I said, I just wanted to talk to you and figure out what's going on at the house. We have an $800,000 house on the golf course. We had paid most of the mortgage off on the house. We just put $70,000 more on the house. I said, what do you want to do with the house? She called 911. I let her leave. The next day, I got a call from my dad. He says, the cops are going to come charge you with rape and confinement. She's got her girlfriend, and they're saying the same story. It's completely bullshit. People don't know. My wife charged me the first year we were together for sexual assault because I wouldn't fucking do things with her that were sexual, like choke her during sex. She liked to be choked. 
and she liked anal sex. She thought, and she, so she thought I was like some fucking slave. And she told me if I don't do what she wants, she's going to call the police on me. And she worked with the police at that time. She worked with the police up until you're, you're four and a half or you're five. Then she got charged for living off the veils of prostitution because she didn't file her paperwork right. And she didn't have her license. And her, so she said, fuck it. She took it, took the charge, went to court, spent $80,000 out of her pocket and beat the charges. After that, she said, now I don't have my business. I am not going to fucking make these girls rich. I'm going to get rich myself off of the call list that I have. So she took her best, her best fucking clients from all of the girls she collected over 10 years. And she started calling these clients herself. And she made all this money that next year. She said, I'm fucking, I, I should have been doing this from day one. What the fuck was I running the business for, for all these girls to make the money when the money I make is considerably more and I'm the one controlling the business and I don't mind having sex for money. She didn't mind the job. She liked it for whatever reasons. She seemed to have a good time. But some girls hate it. Some girls fucking hate it. They hate the business and they're on drugs to do it. Some girls don't give a fuck. They're either, I had sex, big deal. And they fucking have a cup of coffee then five minutes later and they're fucking out playing laser tag that night and we're out fucking in the gym the next day and then they get a call and they go do their call and they come back. They don't talk about it. Some girls, I had we had numerous girls, she had probably 50 girls working for her when I first started. She was down to five at the end when she was by herself. And those girls looked up to her and she gave them bad information. She was more concerned with them buying shit because she didn't want them to get out. So if they get a business and get out, they might be there for three years. They make that money. They all get businesses. That's what I was trying to set them up to do was to get out of the business with the money they had. And if they wanted to go back and take occasional calls, they could. But my wife didn't like that. So she said, you're killing my business. You're smartening the girls up. And I don't want them to be. So, I mean, some of the girls are buying Louis Vuitton. My wife would buy these purses and shit and like, they had a collection of purses, like $80,000 worth of purses. My dad, they asked my dad for a loan. My dad said, why don't you sell some of the purses? He goes, you got all these purses and all this shit that's worthless. And you want to borrow money from me to open up a business again. And my dad didn't go with it. So she fucking lost her mind that my family wasn't backing her up. She wasn't being helped out. And that's when she started getting kind of fucking crazy. And then she says she drove her car off the side of the road because she was so miserable. She was fucking on painkillers. And she fucking, obviously, from, from whatever, I don't know what she is she was doing, but she'd been hurt before the accident. And she was taking something that made her sleep. I don't know what it was. And she fell asleep at the wheel. So she's in the hospital for fucking on and off for six months. I hadn't seen her except for when we can see her in the hospital. So every day we visit her. She's on fucking Dilata. She's on morphine. She doesn't remember much. When she gets out, her business has collapsed. And she can't walk up or down the stairs in her own house. And she doesn't want to do anything. So she's now she's getting sympathy because she's got a cast on during calls. So guys are fucking her with a cast on a broken leg and a broken arm. That was kind of like the funny thing. And that year she said she made the most money because people felt sorry for her because she was hurt. So she's got about $500,000 put away now. My wife and her girlfriend's probably got about 100000 put away from the year that I spent basically helping them and they were working. And I'm a driver and I'm just trying to take some indie bookings in between to stay active as a wrestler because it's an extremely easy lifestyle. And my dad said, you're probably never going to wrestle again. Once you make easy money like that, I'm making 1000 to $2,000 a day as a driver. You know, it's a lot of money as a driver. I get basically 150 bucks a drive. If I have five girls and each girl gets two calls a day, out calls, and I take them to those out calls, it's eight hours of my day. That's basically 200 bucks. It's like 15, 1600 bucks a day. That's the type of money that I'm making every day off that shit. I'm, but I'm putting my money back into my marijuana business, which is what they never talked about in the documentary. And that was the whole documentary premise was about how these girls were supposed to be not, not escorts, never mentioned. And then he says, oh, we're going we're gonna to tell the world that you guys are escorts. 
Well, if you watch the documentary, the day before he says he got the deal, he was all excited. He finally got an offer from a documentary company to do the deal. The next day, they charged me. That's because he told them he wanted to make the documentary about them being escorts, which was something that was completely, it was private. And the only reason he knew is because he knew us as personal people, as friends. If it was just a normal documentary, they would have never known that because I wouldn't have got that personal with them. But I'd known these guys for six years, you know, so it just, it, it makes me sad. Any Anything I can do uh, in the future to, you know, to, to try to go after uh, the truth and, and tell my side of the story. And I'm working on that part now. Uh, finding a lawyer to do this is, is my goal. And to anyone out there that's involved in uh, law or understands law, I don't know what defamation of character is. I don't know how it works and I don't know how slander works, but I, I never seen anybody be able to be put on the stand for something they never got convicted in a court by a judge or jury. Uh, all of a sudden now I'm convicted by a court of my peers for shit that they have no fucking idea about. And I, I don't think I'll ever wrestle again. You know, maybe, maybe don't a few. Don't say never. Never say never. Like, that's, don't say that. Because that's, that's not necessary. I don't think so. I, I think there will be a time. Well. You know, you, know, you have to think positive. I mean, it's not, okay, you didn't murder, you did not murder someone, okay? Um, <clears throat> you know, we get back to murders, and I'm not saying he's a murderer. Okay, there are people that go partying with drugs, and shit happens, right? What happened with Jimmy Snuka? I heard that story. Right. So I, I, they're probably just, whatever, the girl probably fell. But all I'm saying is there were, there's this huge popularity in cancel culture and you can't give into this like, oh, I'll never work again. It's not going to happen. It, well, maybe it's not going to be this year, Teddy, but you're going to get a lawyer. You're going to sue this company or whatever. And, you know, go after them because it's defamation of character, which impacted your career. And yeah. that's what we're looking at. And also those girls need to be held accountable. Of course they do. You know, I, I, you should get back to breeding cats. I think that's awesome. Like I, it's a very interesting thing. I didn't think you were like a cat breeder. I knew you made clothes, but you need yeah. to go back out there and do it. Cause there are guys that have beat people within inches of their lives that are out there doing stuff. You didn't do that. Funny. There wasn't a picture of those girls with never, uh, never a scratch. Not a black guy, hair pull. For all the abuse supposedly that happened, it was never documented once. Never. And why was that guy sitting there for five years watching it happen then? And then he goes back and acts yeah. like he was there. He's like, well, you filmed for five years. It was never about anything. You couldn't get a deal because you didn't set up the right sizzlers. All the sizzler reels and shit highlights that they did were fucking terrible. The videos I would see, I'm like, guys, let me do my own fucking cuts then. Or let me help you with the editing because you guys are missing a lot of the best parts of my career or stories or, you know, uh, with sound bites type of thing. And the, the one guy that wanted to do the documentary properly is a guy named Kurt. He, he did a show on Hannibal. Uh, he kind of talked about some of the details of what happened and how the footage was stolen from Fred and that he's suing them now. Fred, the guys from uh, Bloomhouse put the, put the lawsuit back onto the guy that did the documentary, Fred. So he doesn't have a lot of money, but because it was in Canada, that part of it, and they're Canadian, both of them, the filmmakers, they're suing one suing the other one now. And I think they're settling out of court because he knew he stole the footage, but it was just, that was that guy tried to be that guy's friend. Um, he got into breeding cats too. I got him into breeding cats and showed him how much money he could make. And he ended up breeding cats and his wife and him became friends of mine. And I remember his wife saying, this is going to be a really big thing for you. Be able to tell your story. And Fred's happy. He finally got something that we're, you know, we're able to get some money back for all the money and all the time we put in and all the money you put into this thing. And so I always thought it was going to be something good. And it would be briefly touching about Samantha Fiddler going missing and how I tried to help her. And they knew that. 
And the thing, and she said, I was a good person. I was a good person. I was good to her kids and I was nice to her. I don't know her shit. I, I tried to help a stranger out basically that I met while I was going back to court in Canada to face a 20 year fucking sexual assault charge. And while I, while I was doing that, I was still helping out Machico and fucking and Texas and still helping Sam Fiddler who was in Florida. And eventually I just said to myself, I got to do more for me and less for everybody else. And I took control of my life. And then people that are like fucking feeding the bear. Once you feed the bear once, the bear wants to continue to get fed. And when it doesn't get fed, it fucking, it goes crazy. And that's kind of what those people were. They're all easy, uh, easy going, happy when they're famous or both to be famous. or they're filming a documentary or they're going to be filming a documentary or everybody's having fun because they're living this lifestyle based on my life and all my connections and on my hard work. And then everybody wants to turn around when things don't go their way and, and fucking the world turns to glass. And again, I, I said, if I broke it and I did it, then get me on it. But if you didn't get me on it, then don't fucking hold me responsible for something that a judge and jury said not guilty. And don't hold me responsible for the maybe a girl went missing because I brought her down to Florida to help her live her dream. You know, I was hoping she was going to do something with her potential. Everybody has an opportunity and everybody has potential. I'm a guy that waters seeds. Some seeds grow into strong plants. Some seeds fucking fail and they die. And, and that's the situation. And it's a sad reality, especially with wrestling and combative sports. If you don't want to put in the work, like Harry Smith's been fighting for fucking 20 years. He hasn't had a fight yet. He still hasn't had a fight yet because he he's a professional wrestler, but he's been training combat sports and submission wrestling for fucking 15 years. I don't think there's too many guys on the planet that can submit Harry. I, and I always say I want him to fight and do an MMA match, but I mean, it's a lot of work. So when I tell people she was supposed to do MMA, not professional wrestling, the whole deal was her doing MMA. I'm not sponsoring a girl to go to fucking do a wrestling school. And there's two wrestling schools in Canada, right there in Calgary. We would, we would have never left. She would have never left the city. She would have stayed there and wrestled for RCW if that's what she wanted to do. So, and the cameraman knew that Rolling Stones did a terrible job, basically picking and choosing what they wanted to fucking put in the article. And all that stuff was supposed to be taken back. If I beat the court case, they said, listen, we'll give you a second chance. Uh, we think you're going to, we think you're guilty. If you're not, and you say you're not, and you go back to court, we'll give you all this new documentary time. And we're going to fucking do the Rolling Stones article part two. So I was like, okay, cool. Went to court, beat it. Small retraction in one paper. Teddy Hart, not guilty. That was it. Yeah, they got to sell papers. They got to sell. Because everyone is getting sick and tired of hearing about COVID. COVID this, COVID that. So they got to oh. sell. They have to sell an article, regardless yeah. of what it is. Oh, yeah. You know, what's interesting is maybe seeing what this guy, this whatever you call him, um, has in his background, you know, or his family. You He's know, just... You could yeah. get, you could, you're not done. Like, don't ever say that because it's not what's going on here. And I, you're a smart person. People so, like you make, make it fun for me. Like, I, 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 so much, I watch my highlight videos mm -hmm. and I, I'm not trying to blow smoke up my own ass, but at this stage, I'm going to be one of the only people that can be on that bandwagon of talking about Teddy Hart. You happen to be untouchable because you made your own money and you've never had to hide or lie because people can never say anything about you because you handled your shit in real life. That's the truth about when you, when you handle your shit in real life. And that was with what I did. I handled my shit in real life. I had nice cars. I had nice houses. I had beautiful girls. I lived the life of a fucking king. I've eaten at the nicest restaurants in the world for 25 years of my life. I was the youngest guy in the world to ever sign. I got a nice contract when I was 18 years old. I lived off that money, invested that money, and have been successful ever since then with my life. So for me now, even if it's like a, it feels like I was in fifth gear for fucking 20 years. Now I'm in like second gear and it's, I, I'm just happy just to kind of chill out and, uh, 
you know, smell the roses and look at my body and go, man, I'm blessed by God to still be walking without any surgeries. I, my, I have all my teeth. My eyes are fucking great. I, I have no, no, no serious injuries right now. I mean, I have a couple of little things, but nothing much for all of the stuff I did. And if I walk away from wrestling today, I have no problems going, you know what? I did what I could to change the sport. And I met a ton of people that were quality people in wrestling. I met a lot of fans that I love dearly. And I, I, I love my life and I can look at my life and say that I'm happy with what I did. And the last few years have been difficult. Also, though, you don't find out the make of a man until he has to go through hell. And that's looking in the mirror and perse perseverance and understanding the dream I had. of I, I didn't want to be in a wheelchair. I, the, my challenge was to be able to do all these cool moves and to sell a ton of marijuana on the side and hang out with a, a bunch of beautiful women. And, and I got to do that. So for me now, looking for something else to do in my life is what I'm, is my challenge now, you know, and, and having someone like you that has something nice to say about me or, or would give me an hour platform to talk about stuff. Who's, who's uh, fair. And you're not saying if I did it, then don't talk to me. I'm a loser. And I did it. And I'm not saying I've never physically contacted a woman either. I've been in some fist fights where my girlfriend and I, are basically in a fist fight. I'm not punching her. I'm gonna, but I'm gonna definitely not take three or four punches from a girl who I'm training, and I know she can throw a punch now because I've been training her for a year, and she's in the gym every day, and she's also wrestling every day, or she's supposed to be a wrestler. So, you know, I, I told Machigo, I'm like, listen, if you're gonna punch and kick me, and you think it's okay, I'm gonna put you in a submission hold, and so, and I would teach them a submission after that because this is the only way I can defend myself without getting punched or kicked. And you're talking about a, a, a beautiful relationship that would have been cool. I went down to visit her and I have all the money in the world and a beautiful house and two girls that are back home that are talking to her on the phone and she's happy. And all of a sudden I get charged for fucking sexual assault. And I go from having a nice house in Canada, living out of a fucking suitcase on her couch in fucking Dallas with Machigo with nothing. So, but you know that's what you're saying and people should understand this like anyone listening who starts saying oh you don't hit a girl here's the thing if you have a son that gets hit by a girl first what would you tell your kid to do it's, rule it's, is you don't hit anyone first unless you are in the fight for your life or yep. someone pulls a weapon on you then you have to pull a gun you have to pull something on them and that goes right back yeah. to the same with the rape if you have rape that's <laughs> rape is pretty serious fucking thing to say you her down and can find and so it's like well there would have to be some fucking from what i would think there would have to be some physical like bruising or some damage or like some you know like forensics on if you're saying i did it like show me some evidence about it and and then you know on top of that oh you're with that girl for six years she raped me probably 10 times where I didn't want to have sex and I'm forced to have sex. If we're going to call her, what's, what is rape? I wasn't, I didn't feel like having sex. Uh, oh, well, you end up having sex an hour later anyway. Oh, I, he, he raped me because he forced, he forced me to do it. Well, I mean, it's like, I just, the whole thing made me just like, I was just like, oh man, I can't believe people are that fucking stupid. And, but if you cut it and fucking put it a certain way, the narrative is not controlled by me. I have zero control of that narrative at all. And I watched it. I was just like, I wanted people to see all the beautiful cats I had. I wanted the, I wanted people to see all the moments that I had with two girls that were getting along and how, and how good they were doing and how much work they put in and, and all the work they did with their business and how much fucking time and energy it takes to those girls took care of 50 cats with me. 
So they lost. My, one time we had all of our cats get sick and they all lost their eyes. Every kitten started losing that. It was like an infection. But that, that fucking killed Michelle. You know, she's sitting there and she has all these babies there. And this is her income, too. And these cats are got an eye infection. And you can't keep the, And we have yet to remember we have different Persians, different kinds of Persians and different floors. It's a huge mansion. But you, when you have that many cats, you can't have certain cats with certain cats, especially if there's an infection. So you have to keep them all separated and quarantined. And sh so it's a lot of work. And like, I wanted people to understand like how many umbilical cords I cut of kittens. Cause when they have the babies, you have to pull them out and you have to cut the umbilical cord. Cause the, otherwise the mother has to chew through it. So she has to chew through every single one of those umbilical. So if she has six babies. She has to chew through six umbilical cords. So if you can help her and you can cut them and pull them out, I have a couple that were born dead. I had to give mouth-to-mouth -mouth resuscitation to and bring them back to life. I've had a couple that were born upside down. So you have to pull them out feet first. And it's like, and you know, and it's like, but those are my babies. And I was always like, you're, you're talking about a guy making me look like a monster when my life was about basically having fun with a business that I knew our family went from being top dogs to fucking uh you know low low on the low on the totem pole you got to remember this is like a mafia business if one mafia boss punches out another mafia boss that's it's not that's never supposed to happen vince mcmahon's a made man you can't hit another made man and if it, if you do there's consequences from that happening and in the wrestling business you're controlled by a pencil and you're controlled by someone in the back that wants to decide every single thing you do for the second you're out there per second until you come right back into the curtain, they can, they can decide everything you, or they can just say, you know what, you're not going to be on TV. And that's kind of what happened with me where there's the, the one dream I had was if I could walk in, uh, walk in the building with Brett and Owen and Davey and Jim as the heart foundation with Harry and Jack Evans and Tyson kid. And I tell you, that was a dream. I knew that dream was not going to happen after I was 20 years old. So a lot of the stuff I realized, I'm like, it's never going to happen, but I can either quit right now and never wrestle again or wrestle and have fun and fuck with the boys and just do my own thing because I don't think I'm ever getting a job. You never saw me send a video to WWE. You've never heard me call Vince or an agent ever, not one time and say, hey, I think I'm ready for a job or I think you guys should hire me. I sell weed. I hang out with all these fucking gangsters. I hang out with all these fucking prostitutes, strippers, porn stars, whatever. You want to paint me as this guy then that's fine. But I never asked for a job. I never wanted a job. I wasn't disappointed when I got fired because I got fired for fucking nothing. And I didn't think I was going to stay. And I told TJ and Natty the day I was signed with WWE the second time, I said, I have a feeling they're never going to put us on TV. And then Brett wrote his book. People forget the timing. Brett wrote his book right before TJ, me, Natty, and Harry were supposed to go on TV the second time. This is in 2008, I think it would have been. So when he wrote his book, whenever it was, that was it. I got a call the next day. The book came out. They got a call, and they said, we're not using any hearts. TJ's not a heart. Natty's not a heart. Harry's not a heart. We're not having any hearts on TV for a while, and they fucking fired me. I got to go to Mexico. And Conan ended up picking me up and taking me to Mexico, and those are some of the best years I ever had wrestling. And uh, he took good care of me, and Mexico was a, a terrible fucking place. At the same time, a beautiful place. So you got, you got to see hell at the, at the same time. You got to see heaven because the fans that you love and you want to impress and you want to fucking showcase your skills and your moves in Mexico, you can do all that stuff. It's appreciated. So I went down to Mexico and we kind of innovated and created a, a new style down there for them. And we were held in regards with some of the greatest wrestlers in the world to ever come out of Mexico. And uh, there's some pretty good ones. If you think about the guys that came out of Mexico, like Eddie Guerrero and uh, Rey Mysterio Jr., just those two guys alone. 
you know, and we, we kind of created a new movement down there. And now there's so many good Mexican wrestlers now that are like, they kind of, it went from, I didn't see as many high flyers. There was more of these character wrestlers in Mexico. And when we got in there, we were smaller and we were more into the moves. So it was a balance And Conan being the guy who controls the pencil. He made us win a lot. So we got to win a lot of matches and we got credibility. And um, that was, those are things in my career that were never touched on one time in the documentary that I was a big star. Mexico that I went down there, all the indie matches I had, I wrestled almost every single guy on TV and had great matches with almost every single guy on TV right now that's on TV, you know, and uh, never once mentioned it. And I just, that was, that was disappointing. I just wanted some, some credibility or some, uh, a compliment of, of being a great wrestler and, and a great performer that never hurt anybody else in wrestling. All the stuff I did, I never hurt anybody and I never hurt myself. And I, I thought that would be a testament to the type of trainer I was. And when they act like I'm some bum trainer, you know, I trained a lot of guys and I've been in the ring with a lot of people and I've done more moves than almost anybody on the planet. And that's on fucking video on YouTube. If they don't cancel me and take away all my videos, now they've been taking videos off of YouTube and me too. So I like, get a call every like two or three weeks. Oh, there's one video clip, 13 seconds of one clip of one of your highlights that has a clip. Somebody called it in and complained. And it's like, so, so it's like systematically being erased. I don't really care. I, I I hadn't, like I say, my concern was more people like you having enough common sense to go. I don't believe that sounds like bullshit to me. I know what rape is. I know what confinement is. I know what assault is. He didn't do any of those things. It's pretty serious allegations to talk that I murdered a fucking girl that I never, that I, that I helped out. I hadn't seen in months and document the documented f actual fucking proof from the police was not good enough to get them to say, fucking we picked the wrong person it's not you move on and tell a documentary about something else but don't don't make it about me looking like a fucking fool and then trying to find five years of footage to find the three or four times i was pissed off you film me for five fucking years if you only got me mad one time you think if there was any other footage and one time i was fucking uh screaming at something for my wife on a video on a phone we we're joking around on it they don't see my face they just hear a voice in the background talking about and it's like so and that was it just it was it made me sick to my stomach that that was the fucking only way you could get a documentary on and the wwe was so happy to put something on there to destroy whatever's left of the hearts i don't think they've been a fan of the hearts for a long time you know, I think the fact that the hearts are what they are is that we just can't be erased, but we they've done as good of a job as they can of fucking destroying the heart name. And Brett's just one of those guys. He, he's bulletproof in some capacity. And Owen, being because he was such a good person, it's hard. But if they can fucking scrape me off and make me look like a fucking rapist and a murderer of some, you know, these poor women and just beating chicks up all the time. And, you know, just I always thought I was one of the nicest guys to girls. I went out of my way to be a gentleman. And I never got a girl drunk. I don't remember ever getting a girl drunk to fucking have sex with her. I don't remember ever doing anything crazy where she was, she was, her hair got pulled or I slapped her ass too hard or fucking, I, you know, any, it's just ne it never happened. I was always a very, my mom raised me to be a certain way. My mom and dad are still together. My mom is a saint. My dad's a saint. They're good people. Um, you know, I think that's why God never put me in jail and in, in prison. I've been in jail on and off because I've been charged a lot. And the only way you can get a charge and beat the charge is by going to fucking court. And if, if every court I went to said not guilty or here's probation because you didn't do it or we understand the situation wasn't your fault. Here's the way we fix it. So you're not going to prison because you didn't do it uh, or you're not being convicted or you're not being fucking said guilty because it didn't happen. So, But then later on, I'm being charged for all this shit again. 
I'm like, I already went to court. I already fucking fought this. I let me move on with my life. Don't drag me back six years ago and make me remember a bunch of shit that was not even close to accurate. You're taking 30 seconds of a fucking three hour video and saying, oh, that's what happened. You know, it's like I said, there's going to be some accountability held at one point uh for these again you know, for these people they need to be held accountable and i'm talking to filmmaker i'm talking to anyone that put this on a public platform that is slander and labelle but with all this said and with wrestling it's changed a lot yes i think that there, there are a lot of people on the indies and even that you see on tv that look like the guy at the gym people usually pay to see people that look cooler than they are do you think wrestling now like if you watch it do you think it lacks a lot of characters and storylines Aside from someone like you performing, what else is wrestling lack these days? I just, I was, I, I watch AEW and I watch WWE occasionally. Um, and I try to go in there watching it with an open mind and a big smile on my face that I'm watching guys like MJF, who I grew up with. You know, I, I think he watched me when he was a kid a lot. And uh, he, he used a couple catchphrases, the best there are in the past, present and future. I thought that was pretty cool. Uh, he cut some promos on me back in the day that were just brutal and, and true. Like, I bought fucking, you've lost every opportunity you've ever had. You're picking up fucking hookers. You've wasted all their money. You know, I'm everything you ever wanted. And it, I, they were awesome. And I remember calling them up and I'm like, man, you're shooting pretty hard on me, but it's true. And I think in, by the end of it, I see him now and it's like, those are the promos that he's using, uh, that type of promo, you know, the real cold, and, but done a great job. And I had some great matches with him when I was when I was coming up. Same with Darby Allen. I had some good matches with him. Josh Briggs had some good matches with him. I remember just like there's a bunch of guys now. I had a match with Shane Strickland years ago. I just remember wrestling Neville and like I remember wrestling Phoenix and Pentagon, all these guys, and I see them on TV. Jungle Boy, I remember training him when he was very first starting in Los Angeles. I was there doing some dojos and some training seminars, and he was taking the seminars, and I met his dad and just how cool. It was to watch him grow up. Luchasaurus, same thing. I remember having, I think his first actual run in or match was with me and Brian Cage and like Brian Cage's wedding. And like, just like things that I'm like watching Brian Cage versus Jungle Boy. And I'm thinking how funny, you know, and I, I'm just, I'm happy for all of the guys that I met that I worked with, that they're successful and they're getting paid. Now, do I think that they could spend more time and money, the companies on creating better storylines and, and cooler setups for sure. You got all the money in the world. Like it's the same promo and the same kind of, Hey, the camera starts the guys on the ground getting beat up. Well, what happened? Why did it happen? It's the same. Oh, well he, I, I just, I think they're, they're rushed. They're not, they're not spending enough time developing it. You have, there should be a little more soap opera that goes into that. If you're telling these stories, you have all these pretty girls, all these good looking guys and a lot of really good wrestlers. I mean, the wrestling, the wrestling itself is top notch. Even the WWE, if they if, understand the schedule, because you can't just say, oh, well, you know, they're not doing all that. They're wrestling fucking every single week, every single week, every single fucking month, every single year. And they don't ever stop. So it's you can never see them fresh. So I think that's one thing I would I, I take into my consideration before I criticize the quality of the of the the the. The characters are kind of weak. There's there's definitely not as much, but I just think that's because the guys themselves are all basically hired to be the same person behind the scenes. Quiet, uh, play video games, do social media, go to the gym. And they're not problems. Where the old wrestlers were fucking wild characters because on the street, they're fucking wild characters. So I think the actual wrestler himself is changed into a different person. 
You know what I mean? It's not the football player, 250 pounds, 60 pounds. There's obviously some of those guys out there, but I think it's a lot more of the smaller workhorse guys that just take, I mean, I, I watched Adam Cole against the Briscoes done the reunion thing. And just like, I've watched Adam Cole against Ricochet and like, fucking phenomenal matches on NXT, but then I never see the same match on WWE TV. And I like wondered, is there, maybe there's like a, a certain kind of level where they're like, listen, we don't need you hitting this sixth gear because we got to stretch it out for the next seven episodes. So they're trying to get a lot more out of it instead of giving you so much at once, because they're planning when you're going into that play, you're going into playing for the year. You're not going into like for, if that makes sense to you. So I, and I just, maybe there's yeah, uh totally. there's like, a lack of actual real characters behind the scenes to make another character into something else. It would take one to know one or monkey see monkey do. And since most of the guys are like the same cookie cutter type of person, they've all, they, they don't know how to develop a character because it's not real. I don't know if that makes sense to you. Well, I think no, they, it does. It does. Yeah. I mean, I like work for a character. I think so, Macho yeah. Man is pretty close to Macho Man in real life. I think Hulk Hogan on the streets, Hulk Hogan on the street. I think the rock obviously he's pretty humble but at the same time i mean i think that was stone cold steve austin same thing i think those are unique type of guys like uh john moxley seems pretty legit in aew he seems pretty legit because i think he tried to learn how to shoot and he went to japan and he paid his fucking dues and like it or not he left wwe with a big push and a lot of money to go to aew so he's their guy and he's he's from what i see a fucking hardworking machine like those guys they they really do work their asses off and the guys that are good i think it's there's a lot of competition right now on tv and if you're on tv and you're doing well then i take my hat off to you uh it's hard for me to say anything bad about any of the guys that are living their dream that are making money definitely i think the characters are a little weak and the storylines there's no setup to it there could be a lot more interesting a lot more depth and uh detail to it but i mean for what it is the fact that you got two shows on TV right now, even maybe three with Ring of Honor being owned by AEW that are on, and WWE is on three times a week, and AEW is on two times a week. That's five different nights of wrestling. So wrestling's still going, and wrestling's still alive. And as a heart and as a member of wrestling, this royal family type of thing, my concern was mainly that wrestling continued and carried on, and that they, it got better. And I've seen some really good matches on AEW with American Dragon and uh, Hangman Page. Like, just I've seen some really good matches with the Bucks and Pentagon and Phoenix and just like different. There's there's a lot of good matches though, and that I never saw five years ago. There was like a fucking there was like a I don't know how to say it, but there was some kind of uh, like a like a system to keep those matches from happening on big TV because it's like letting once you see a really good match like that, it's addicting. You want to see more of it. And if you can't replicate that or have that happen all the time, because those matches take a fucking wear. Like, I don't know if you do you watch a lot of wrestling right now. I kind of do sometimes, but I get really bored because I like characters and, you know, I work with XPW. So I work for a character right there. So yeah. when I do those promos and that whole mega maga faction, and you're saying sometimes these characters are like that in real life. I leave it up to people to decide, is she Mega Maga? Is she a Trump supporter? It's up to you to really think. Maybe I just fooled you, but maybe I'm a hardcore right-wing nut job. Maybe I really am that in real life. Maybe I talk like that in real life. Maybe I go crazy, but maybe I don't. But it's always a Necro fine line. Huh? Up with Necro Butcher? Well, yeah. I mean, I have an American flag behind me. That should be a huge clue. Yeah. Do I believe in a lot of the stuff I say? Yeah, actually I do. I do believe it. I do believe that there are pedophiles out there. I do believe 
that they that they're home wreckers. I do believe that 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 these these creepy men dressed as women are home wreckers. Home wreckers aren't a good looking guy or girl anymore, and they go after kids. So yeah, I do believe in that. Okay, now now I gotta like calm down. I get like worked up sometimes when I start with that, and like I just saw this ad for my pillow. Then I think of Mike Lindell, and I think of like how high intense he is now. There's something right there. Then my pillow guy. Here's something for you, Teddy. He yeah. was canceled, but look at him now. Bad Bath and Beyond. It's fucked. They are out of business. You are like a different version of Mike Lindell, except you're not like the crackhead that was in the desert with like a tooth, and you came back and like rebuilt yourself. But you're right now. You're in that part where you come back from the desert, yeah. and you rebuild this huge empire. That's where you are. Well, maybe so like, I need him being yeah. friends will help me get some connections or networking because I don't know why God did this to me, but I know if I was supposed to be dead, I gave God many opportunities to keep me, to kill me years ago. So I always ask, I'm like, why am I still here? But you must to be a reason. To do yeah. this, to do this and fight this. And maybe you'll be one of these people that like puts the kibosh and cancel culture. Maybe you're the person that exposes this guy because who knows what else he did, right? Who knows what else that documentary filmmaker does? Maybe you're the reason he'll quit. Oh, you never funny. know. Yeah, know? he was definitely happy to film the girls naked. He was definitely when we went to the club. He was the first guy that, when we were getting, you know, that asked for a free lap dance from one of the girls, and she said he was inappropriate. And that's another reason why oh. he. Yeah, I never said anything because he was. She she just thought she was inappropriate, and he was using his camera as a weapon, basically, to try to get these girls to do stuff and acting like he was a big shot producer. And when I guess one of the girls went up to the actual director and said. Uh, who do I need to take instructions from? And he said me. And then she said, well, the cameraman's trying to get me to do all this stuff with them. And this was in a snowstorm in Dallas. We were actually locked. We, they flew to Dallas when they were filming here. And there was a snowstorm. I, I don't know if he was married to his wife at the time. I think they were still together at the time. But I suspected that he he was doing some, he, he'd done some improper stuff and that he was always afraid or mad at me after that for knowing that. And I never brought it up to him much. I just said to him, I'm like, hey, I said, I have a hard time with guys that bullshit or cheat on their wives. I said, because I tell my wife everything and half the problems we have is because I'm too open or honest, but that's the way we lived our life. And you went into my fucking life and fucked up my life with my wife and my girlfriend and the chemistry I have and everything I have because you were playing games and you thought it was funny to have a fucking car crash as a narrative. So you're making my life into a fucking accident and basically trying to film the sponsor, all this shit that's going to go wrong when you're the one throwing the fucking spikes on the road. Now I got a flat tire. Well, you're filming a flat tire being changed. That's not that fucking entertaining. If you actually filmed my life, you would have seen everything I did and all the stuff the girls did and all the people we met. And that would have been entertaining. It would have been a good documentary. It would have been a good reality show. You fucking made it into a murder mystery joke. And it was lazy, cheap fucking writing by you. And it was something that you knew wasn't true. And that's the only thing I said. If you, if there was an incl inclination of truth on it, maybe it could have been connected. Then fine, try to connect it. But if you can't connect it, and the cops that do connect shit with forensics and fucking time dates, passports, license, fucking video cameras, they know everything. They knew when she got out of jail. They knew where she was. When I didn't know any of this. I didn't know she went to the hospital. I didn't know she was arrested in a hospital. Again, how do you identify someone without their fucking passport if they're in another country and they're arrested? Obviously, she had identification on her. And why wasn't TSA called and immigration called to pick her up and take her out of the fucking country if she had been getting charged? That's to me. Those are simple. 
you know? Cock, this developing story, she came to Florida with her pro wrestling boyfriend, hoping to make it big. But several months later, Samantha Fiddler went missing. So it has now been five years since this mother of three was last seen in Polk County. As Fox 13's Jennifer Holton reports for us here at 6, FDLE is bringing some new attention to the case, hoping that there's somebody still out there who can help them find her. November 19th marks five years since 29-year-old Samantha Fiddler went missing right here in Florida. Her family and investigators tell me that sharing her story, they hope, can create new leads for a case that has gone cold. The last time April Fiddler spoke with her older sister, Samantha, was over Facebook Messenger. We were just kind of updating each other on each other's lives, and um, by the sounds of it, she was wanting to come back home. The Canadian has been missing since November 19th, 2016, and the Florida Department of Law Enforcement has been working the case. They say the day Fiddler disappeared, she had just bonded out of the Polk County Jail. And when she left that, uh, the Polk County Jail on November 19th, 2016, she has not been seen or heard from since. Fiddler had been wanted on trespassing charges out of Brevard County when she was arrested in Bartow. Investigators say the then 29-year-old came to Florida pursuing a career in entertainment with her pro wrestler boyfriend, Teddy Hart. Investigators say Hart was in Texas at the time of her arrest and said he had not spoken with her in approximately one month. Hart has never been a person of interest in the case. Uh, she was in Florida for about eight months. She moved to Florida in March of 2016. And in those short eight months, she spent seven. She was in seven different counties throughout the state. Very transient. Um, had a big personality. Uh, met a lot of people along her travels. With how much me and my sister communicated, for her not to communicate with me and just stop out of nowhere, it's not good. It doesn't. It's worrisome. It's it's scary. April says anything the public might know could lead to answers. Give us anything. Give us any details, any, you know, any, anything. That's all we're hoping for is some answers. Investigators have never publicly named a person of interest, but they say with her transient nature that clues could be anywhere. Reporting in Tampa, Jennifer Holton, Fox 13 News. All right, so if you have any information about this, you can contact the FDLE, Florida Department of Law Enforcement. Here's the number, 1-800-226-1140. That's it. I mean, it's true. Like, you've said that, and, like, everyone knows, you know, and everyone will know. But uh, I encourage you to, um, to uh, you know, to pursue this, and I will come through with for that, with, on that. I will come through with that for you, Um some point next week after the xpw show this weekend but thing, i was gonna ask you once this is over i was gonna talk my thing is with that if uh, i'll just brief it but yes if lawyers even just willing to watch the documentary and take time it's an almost an automatic where i don't think the i don't think wwe peacock nbc uh i don't think they have a leg to stand on with what they did i just don't think they thought anybody was gonna was gonna do anything about it you know, and that's where it's like, but again, maybe we can have that conversation. I didn't want yeah. to get into. No, no, this. we'll have it off the air. But like, it's just like I said, and people who listen to this, you know, this is one story you're hearing. This is one of many victims that are like this. Maybe it'll be your son. Maybe it'll be your nephew, your dad, your uncle, just someone, you know, so you can't always be quick to jump and judge by what some loser. Oh, I ever asked out there, you know, 
listen to both sides of the story and, and be, be, be accountable. If you want to be held accountable, be the same way when you judge and listen to something and don't be so fucking fast to take what you hear and go and judge a guy for fucking as guilty when that's there, you know, there's a lot of levels of fucking, there's a lot of colors of blue shades of blue, you know, and I, I would, I would hope you specify if it's light blue, dark blue, navy blue, fucking ocean blue, whatever, instead of just saying it was this, if you're, you're talking about somebody's life and reputation and their fucking sanity. If I was a pussy, I'd jump off a bridge. You know, if I cry and cry, I'm depressed now and I'm on psych, I'm on psych meds now and I, I can't fucking do it. And I just, I, I watched the documentary. I was disappointed. I was excited to think that they were going to put me on there for at least being a good person with animals and mention that I was nice to kids or mention that I trained kids for 20 fucking years. I had the only wrestling school for kids or that I wrestled all over the world and had a good career instead of just a loser fucking whatever this, this And that was I'm like, it, it hurt my feelings more than anything. Cause I, I liked Fred before I thought I didn't, I, I always thought he was a, a fucking, I always thought he was a bit of an idiot, but after years of working with him, I'm trying to give him the benefit of the doubt. And I see he's got a daughter and a wife and a business and I want him to be successful. So I'm trying to play ball, hoping I'm helping him get somewhere when all he was trying to do is slit my fucking throat. And yeah. I'm an I easy person. Like, I guess he had to feed his wife and uh, his kid, yeah. I guess, somehow and stuff food down her throat. So uh, the I'm wife that is. I'm an easy target and I shouldn't, have, I shouldn't have been so open and willing to play ball. And I guess that's my fault for trusting people. And I, I have a, but I don't want to be, I don't want to not trust anybody ever again, but you know, my, my, uh, my guards up now, definitely. And I realize how easy you can be painted into a, into a corner and wrestling just happens to be some of the, I don't even want to say the dumbest fans ever, but they're just the people that are involved in wrestling. They really seem to be happy that they have some control. They shouldn't have of any other league in the world. They would never have control of it. It's up to the fucking league and the players and the players for some reason have no power. The wrestlers never back. Joey Ryan was well liked by everybody. He was well liked by almost everybody and he was a good person and he made a lot of people money and he ran a good promotion with bar wrestling and he did all his bookings. He was the most booked guy and people were mad because he was the most booked guy. It's like, well, fuck you're going to, that's it's, I wouldn't even want to think about all the crazy shit that guys do and they get away with. And then all of a sudden you're, you're blaming this guy for something. It's like, then where were the cops? Why weren't they called once? Yeah, it's true. Like for the example, I bring this example up, James Franco why wasn't he ever charged and all this stuff? He had an acting school and there were so many other layers to it that did come out slowly but surely. But sometimes the reason some girls get paid off, not because someone's guilty, it's just to shut them the hell up because you can fight it and lose your money doing that or just shut them up and sign an NDA. But we all know nobody listens to an NDA these days anyway. Joey oh. Ryan's a very nice guy. And when oh. I spoke to him, he felt like he was just being so accountable for things. It's like, dude, there is like, where's the rape kit where where is this people do people flirt sloppily i will say that people do it all the time and that's one whole thing than being assaulted it's two different things totally different and you agree with me on this so that's why like i always listen to two sides but when i saw that i was in love with the cats because i love the cats and i think you're an excellent animal breeder i think you should be back entertaining that because yep. it's such a it's beautiful. And those cats were just so adorable. And it's a very uh, special skill to do what you were doing, I think. So you I, should be back doing that. I, I, that was another accomplishment with getting the cats to sit on the top ropes without moving. And they just over they, and, and being able to take the cats on the road 
all those years, those cats traveled on the road and they made every one of those shows. They went to every show and those cats took more pictures and signed, you know, not signed, but like, I don't sign more autographs because I had the cat with me than I ever had done in my career. Once I started bringing the cats with me, I met so many more people because of the cats too. Same thing with the airports. My cats were so well behaved though, because I spent so much time with them. People don't realize again, I had so much, I had a lot of time on my hands compared to most people because I didn't have a full-time job. I did my own thing for years. I always have. And so and being a hustler and a grinder and finding ways to make money in between the fucking cracks and stuff of, of life. That's, I think something people, uh, you know, they, they get jealous. And I was someone that I think put the, sh the spotlight on myself too, too much. And then too many jealous people got to take shots and, you know, I gave them ammunition and I shouldn't have, but you know, I look back and I'm like, man, I, you know, I guess there are certain things I, I should have said or should have done, but you can't live that life of regret either. But there's certain things definitely that I have, I hold accountable or I hold myself accountable for being, you know, being a certain way, which maybe wasn't the smartest thing. But at the same time, again, I didn't think I was getting a job. So if I was doing a job interview type of life, I would have worn a suit and fucking tie instead of wearing a fucking flashy pair of a flashy tracksuit every time. You know, those tracksuits, I spent hundreds of thousands of dollars on my outfits. I'm not wearing some towel and some fucking shit my aunt, you know, my grandma made in the fucking basement. This, this is all high end, super nice, buy some of the nicest, like, you know, best fabric I could buy in the world. And I travel all over the planet buying fabric and making tracksuits and breeding Persian cats and breeding cats. That was my thing. Wrestling was something I did sparingly. I wrestle and then but and I was better than everybody else at wrestling whenever I showed up to wrestle, but I wasn't a wrestler. And that was the thing with these guys that wrestling was their whole life. It was everything they had. Uh, wrestling is my life because I'm born into it and wrestling is my life because I have a business of training people and like the one other thing in the documentary they show my ring in the backyard like with the ropes loose and some guys in it I never charged anyone any money for wrestling my wrestling school a thousand a week or three thousand a week and I had some that's all bullshit none of that was true I had a brand new ring in a warehouse that we used to go to I have a bunch of students that were trained that were happy that were good they picked the one guy who came into my house who had diabetes that big fat guy, he couldn't do anything. And he, his name was John and he, he was never going to be a wrestler. He said, I don't have any money, but I want to come help out. And I want to be at the house and I just want to train. And if I can get in the ring. So I said, okay, well, there's a ring in the backyard that needs to get set up. If you want to set that one up, you can, because I'm not bringing you to the, I'm not bringing you to the other ring because you're not, you're not doing anything. The guy couldn't do 10 pushups. I had a rule. You have to at least be able to do 20 pushups before I bring you in the ring. I mean, that's just like, he couldn't even do 20 push-ups. So it's like, and then they got him, they're interviewing him out of the one, you know, again, hundred people that I met in wrestling over the 10 years or whatever that the video is filmed. And he's complaining that I took his money. And it's like, dude, you didn't have any money and you're in my house. So what if you're taking care of my cats? The business pays for the fucking mansion you're living in and the five big screen TVs and the two movie theaters in the house and the fucking five cars we're driving. So what if I asked you to make me coffee or I fucking told you to go to the store and get my blunt so you could roll fucking weed all day and smoke in my house like that? So there was just like everyone I ever hung out with lived a pretty easy life. And then to hear them after reflecting on it, like they were just tortured and it was fucking terrible. And I'm an easy guy to make sound like I'm so crazy. It's like, well, yeah, to a point there's certain things definitely I'm eccentric and I'm, I'm a weird, definitely a weird guy, but never, never fucking violent or sadistic or, or fucking, and that, that wasn't my style. I don't even like chopping guys in wrestling because I, I don't like hitting people for real. I'm a pacifist. I don't, I don't fucking kill a mosquito or a fly or an ant. And it's like, when the girls know I'm one of those guys, there's guys that the girls know will kick the shit out of them. So they don't fuck around with those guys. The guy, they know that guy will beat the shit out of you. I'm not that guy.
So when they got a pussy like me and I'm fucking trying to baby them and take care of them and I'm training them and teaching them, I'm like their dad. I'm, and if, if you ever watch a spoiled little brat who doesn't get her own way with her dad, she holds her breath and starts kicking and screaming and fucking she needs a good spanking. She needs like, these are like little girls that are screaming, crying, all with daddy issues. Every single one didn't have a dad. I'm like, their dad. I don't get it. You know, I'm, who's bringing fucking hookers to the gym and taking care of them and giving them businesses and bringing them to California and showing them how much money they can make? One Louis Vuitton purse buys a generator and buys all your plants. It's $5,000 for that purse. That's a fucking grow up. That grow up, put $15,000 into marijuana. You'll get $15,000 back in plants and fucking inventory to sell. If you want to do the work and learn how to grow yourself, you'll keep 80% of that money instead of paying your grower. These are things I would try to teach them to get a business and how to get a passport and fucking create other forms of income so they're not stuck fucking being prostitutes at 40 years old because that's not a fun thing to do. And so, I mean, like, but my honesty was what got me fucking crucified. And I think the fact that I lived a life when a lot of these other guys could never fucking imagine the life I got to live as Teddy Hart. And I had a great time being me. I'm just sad, like I say, because I was expecting at least some, uh, some wrestling, some highlights of the wrestling career I had. And I was expecting to see some more of the cats. And I was, I was hoping that they would touch on the marijuana business that I was in for 20 years and how successful it is. And that in my country, you can buy stock. I have a lot of stock in marijuana right now. My dad and I, probably a million dollars worth of marijuana stock, medical marijuana called uh, Aurora and Canopy. So one of my dreams as a fucking as a wrestler or as an athlete watching all of these other athletes complain about the drugs that they would do when they got hurt mostly painkillers was what I was hearing. And, but they don't talk about the alcohol because most, I don't think most athletes can drink like wrestlers can because there's, I think there, I just don't. So you're talking about two types of athletes. You're talking about athletes that are on a team and they have coaches and they have airplanes and they have buses and they travel together and they're like a team. And then the wrestling, no one's a team player. They're all individuals, but they all have to go and they act like they're on a team because they're part of a promotion. That doesn't mean they're fucking teammates. And that doesn't mean they have love for each other or they like each other at all. It creates a really fucking weird competition type of thing where, so you're judging wrestling as a sport when it's not really a sport. And then you're judging the rest of the sports in a different category, but then the pain of a wrestler is still real though, even though they act like it's fake wrestling's fake. Well, the injuries are real. I'm, but I'm not getting medical, I'm not getting dental, and I'm not getting any pension, and I'm not getting fucking paid when I'm hurt. So there's a different risk when you're taking all these moves and doing all this shit. As a football player, you at least know your contract's going to pay you if you're hurt, if you get a knee injury, the, the, the team covers the injury. Wrestling, that's not going to happen. So when I'm looking at all my, my friends or the guys I looked up to, and they're all fucking dying from painkillers, heart attack, that's mostly to me then cocaine, alcohol, and painkillers. Those are what I'm going to say killed the wrestling. I'm not going to say steroids because I don't think steroids did anything but help people, honestly. And they give steroids to sick and old people to try to make them live longer. So I think people that were on steroids, the steroids, if anything, kept them alive longer from what the drugs, from what I was told and what I saw of the drugs that wrestlers were doing. You're talking like 20 fucking Percocets in a day or fucking 20, 30 Somas. These are 260 pound, 300 pound fucking guys. They're not just having a drink, they're drinking a whole fucking bottle. So. I mean, that sure. sounds like a great idea, medical marijuana. I know RVD has a business with this. And, you know, this is the same thing. So maybe that's your next calling, you know, but whatever it is you're supposed to do, it'll come to you. I can, I promise you that. And I'm not just saying this. I can guarantee you that. And 
you know, this is coming from someone who's been through like a million lives in one lifetime. So whatever it is. I, huh? I was so happy. I was so happy. You're the only person. <laughs> I had probably maybe 15, 20 people wanting to do podcasts, a couple of big wrestling uh, websites or whatever. And I didn't even want to talk about it. I, I was told by some of my friends just to not even mention it anymore because it's just such a fucking lie. And it's such bad news that they just did a really terrible job of trying to wreck your career. And that's sad that the people that know you know you well and they still love you. And that's who you need to worry about. And then when Harry said he was with you and I said, oh, she was, I always looked up to her and I don't look up to too many people. And most women are, are, uh, they're not, they're, I, I don't think they have that male instinct on how to be a man as a woman. I think you know how to deal with men and you don't, you don't take shit from anybody and you're a fucking boss. And there's, a, and that the people that are bosses can say whatever the fuck they want because they're in a position financially not to have to cry or worry or kiss people's asses. And that's where with me, I don't need to kiss your ass. If I don't like you, I'm not going to kiss your ass. And if I thought a girl fucking needed to get a kick in the ass because she was acting fucking crazy or I needed to drag her out of the fucking bar because she's drunk and she's getting into a fist fight with two other guys and I got to drag my own, you know, these are people hang, or some girls doing fucking drugs and she ODs and five years later I hear about her and she's dead. And that's not Samantha. That's other girls that I know in the fucking wrestling business or girls that have got into stripping and porno shit and they couldn't handle themselves. They didn't save their money. didn't follow any advice from any of their elders or mentors. They did whatever the fuck they wanted to do. They're wild cards. And then you hear about later, their sister says, oh, she was such a good person. It's like, well, she was out of the house at 14 or 15 years old. She was pregnant at 16 and married to some guy. She didn't live at your house. She wasn't with your parents. You didn't contact your sister until it was now five years later. You want to fucking point fingers and call me and say, I murdered your sister. You don't even fucking know your sister. And if you're, and nobody wants to say anything bad about anybody after they're gone, you, nobody wants to say, oh, she was a fucking drug addict or she was, she, but you know, these are the truths I have to, I, I still try to be somewhat diplomatic about explaining some of the shit these girls did behind the scenes, because I don't want to make them look bad because I still have love. I, after all these years, I still have some love and respect for, for people that I spent years with. And I'm very sad that they're that pissed off that they want to lie through their teeth and kill their fucking, my wife never lied. I never heard my wife lie until she went to court. And even in court, she couldn't lie. She didn't lie. And then five years later, she's doing the documentary. She says, I hit her all the time. I never touched my wife, not one fucking time. I never had a physical confrontation with her or Michelle. Maria, I've had physical fucking altercations with. Machiko, I've had physical altercations. Sam Fiddler was never my girlfriend. She was never my girlfriend. I never had sex with her. I got to fucking be dead serious. I think I got a blowjob one time from her and fucking, I never fucking did anything with her because she had three kids and it was a huge fucking problem that my friend that was the one sponsoring her, he liked her and he was the one wanting to date her. You see him in the documentary and they make him fucking sound like he's a fucking nut too. And it's just like, ah, you know what? If, if this is the situation, I would have loved to have tried to raise some money for her kids. And giving her kids, her three girls, some money and make some, you know, a fund or GoFundMe or something like that and use me to help get people to do something good for her family instead of kill me off. I'm one of the only ones that was concerned or tried to help her in the first place. You know, nobody dragged a fucking 26 year old down to Florida in a fucking brand new Jaguar. She's wrestling in front of, she's in front of what, 30 fucking thousand Mexican wrestling fans at the Crash Wrestling Show being filmed. She's the only people that, you know, all those other wrestlers are down there. Phoenix, Pentagon, Rey Mysterio, Jeff Hardy, John Morrison, Conan, all these guys are there. And we're the only ones doing a documentary for her. That's a big deal. 
She's, it's not like she's doing an, you know, an indie show for 30 people on fucking some Indian reservation. She's wrestling. She's coming all over the world with me in a brand new Jaguar being filmed by a major documentary team. That sounds pretty fun. Take the cameras off. Hey, do you want to go to the gym? No, I'm going to go down and see if I can get a job as a stripper. I said, well, then why'd we bring you down here? You could go back and strip in Calgary or Edmonton. Why'd we bring you down here? Oh, I'm going to keep the car. Well, do you have any money for the payments? No. Do you have any money for the insurance? No. Okay, well, well, where are you going to stay? The people that we gave you a house to stay with don't want you there anymore. Oh, I'm going to get a hotel. Do you have any money? No. Well, then fuck, what's my job? To, to, to support her and Logico? That's, that's basically, here's some cats. Dude, Sam Fiddler had four cats in the fucking car with her because she wanted to... Fourth, each each cat's two grand. Here's eight thousand dollars. She brought her cat. She left her kids at home, but she brought her cats with her. Where do you think those fucking cats ended up? Machigo has to take Sam's cats once Sam fucking goes and fucks off and wants to go strip and hang out at the fucking <laughs> the beach or whatever all day. Oh, I love the beach. I'm gonna go hang out at the beach. I'm like, okay, well, the car payment's got to get made. It's a fucking thousand dollar car payment. It's a hundred and fifteen thousand dollar Jaguar. Your fake breast implants. I need to get breast implants. Please beg us. Can you please pay for $8,000? We got her fucking a set of fake tits to try to help her out and to be nice. So she would feel better about herself because she's supposed to be someone that we're representing as a, as a clients. We're her fucking coaches. We're her agents trying to get her a job. Well, here's the best place to go train MMA. U.S. top team. Florida has a ton of MMA schools. Go down there. See how you like it. And if you like it, then go back to Calgary, go back to Edmonton, talk to your mom and dad, see if they're going to give you some money or help you out or whatever you need to do, and then come back down and train. Or, you, you know, that was the, that's none of that was done on her end. She's not responsible for fucking anything. Machiko did a lot of shit for me. Really nice. Took care of me for. So I was sad that she got fucking shit on. But then to see her years down the road, how evil she became and how she started to lie. The documentary, the, the one thing, most of the stuff that was filmed, they didn't need to lie about it. They didn't need to film it a special way. That's just the way it happened. I wasn't trying to make a fake TV show. I wanted it to be what really was happening in my life. So it was real. Because you could make fucking, you could have 10 girls in the shower with me then. I should have just paid for every hooker I knew in the fucking city to come in and do a bunch of sex scenes with all these girls. Like I'm some, these girls really live with me. They're really, that's my wife. That's my girlfriend. They, so when you fuck up my chemistry in my house, I'm, I'm the one that's got to stay once the cameras leave. And they're like, why is the guy in the, why are the camera guys here asking all these stupid questions? Why did they say that anything we told them would be confidential? Now the guy's saying he's going to tell the whole world we're prostitutes. Like, fuck, that's not. So that, that killed the show. And that was when he called, he now he's like, Oh, what, what happened? I said, you dude, you told those girls, you're going to put them on TV as basically cat trainers and wrestling divas and you know, whatever. And now you're fucking telling the world that they're, porn star and a prostitute i said that's not gonna fly their girls don't want nothing to do with the show they're the ones helping pay for it they're the ones putting up the fucking mortgage payments they're the one paying for the cars because you got to remember all the stuff they filmed was a reality show so it wasn't like a documentary where i'm just sitting here being interviewed you're filming me traveling buying a new car you're filming me eating a fucking thousand dollar meal at a restaurant you're filming me buying uh you know two thousand dollars worth of fabric you're filming me selling 50 cats they, fit, they have 50 different cats that I sold all on video, each one of the cats being described, what kind of cat, his dad, where his dad came from, like the lineage of these things, they, how complicated it was, why this cat was worth 2000 why this cat was worth fucking 500 why does this cat have a ring tail, why does this cat have blue eyes when his mom has, you know, so there's like a way of doing it, that's like, that's 10 years of breeding that went into that stuff, some of the males I had were $10,000 fucking males, that, you know, so... 
it that was the genius of the Teddy Hart reality show. It was supposed to be about cats and about fucking women and getting along polyamorous relationships that women can get along with other women. And they, if you have an alpha male in the house, that's an actual good alpha male that's taking to the gym and cooking. Dude, my job is to prep food and make sure they ate healthy. My wife lost 60 pounds. You look at her now, she looks fucking awful. When I was with her, she was 37, 38, 39, 40. She was doing a competition for bodybuilding. She looks phenomenal, in incredible shape. She gets into a car accident and she can't walk for a year and she fucking goes nuts taking painkillers. And she fucking, that was, that was the, the, the demise of everything was the car accident for her. And I felt bad for the situation that I couldn't do more because she doesn't remember. So if she remembered, it would have been different, but she doesn't remember. She wakes up and the guy she's fucking married to has a new girlfriend who she hired to work with us for, for a reality show. But she hasn't met that girl and hung out with her much in the six months that she kind of met her and was hanging out. They only met a few times, you know, maybe once or twice a week because she's got calls and my wife has calls. They're both busy. So but they were being filmed. So whenever the camera crew comes, she'd show up and come film and act like she's staying there living with us. At that time, she didn't live with us. When my wife got put in the hospital, Michelle decided to move into the house and help take care of all the cats because Michelle's like, oh, there's fuck that's not fair for your wife who was nice enough to be, you know, when I first came in here, she was good to me. She invited me in her house and she gave me some calls and she worked with me. So now your wife's hurt and I'm not really your girlfriend, but I'm going to be your girlfriend now because this is what the TV show said was going to happen. And then we became boyfriend and girlfriend. We started dating after that. And my wife doesn't really know the situation because she's like, she, imagine waking up in the hospital with a broken arm and two, a broken leg and a broken hip. And it's like six months of your life's fucking up and coming and she can barely walk. And now she has to go back to her house. And she's like, we have a new girlfriend. I'm like, no, I don't. This is the girl you fucking hired for the show. And she doesn't remember much. Like she got fucked up in the accident. So for about a year, it took her a year to get back into shape and get everything going. And then the reality show guys finally got the deal. My wife's like, we put fucking $300,000 into this show for six years or five years of filming. We finally got a deal. She's all excited. And then Fred says, well, we're going to tell you, we're going to tell the, uh, the audience that you guys are prostitutes. It, it'll be a good spin. And my wife said, fuck it. She called me the next day. And my house was emptied out. I literally, within three days from there, my house was empty. Everything was fucking gone. And I never got anything back. And then again, after that, I tried to press the issue to get back to talking to her to work out something on the house. And she called the cops. And then I had to do that for two and a half years. I lived on the fucking, I lived in the States on a, on uh, basically on a, on a, a promise to appear, which I didn't have to come back for. I went back and I beat it. And that was the end of the conversation. Fred and Kurt were supposed to be happy that I beat it. And that was going to be the whole point of this new documentary. And then I got charged again in Texas. And then that was, and then I, so six years later, here's my whole life flushed down the toilet. And I still ended up coming out the other side doing okay. I'm alive. I have a brand new car. I had a couple of Maseratis. I had a new house. I got a dispensary. I got a business. I survived all these years just doing indie wrestling. I haven't been home in six years. I haven't watched my own TV. I haven't sat on my couch or put on a pair of my shoes in my own fucking city for six years. I haven't hugged or kissed my mom or dad or seen my son. Nothing. You know, so I would like to go home. I was going to go home thinking, fuck, I'm going to go home, open up a wrestling school, go to Dubai, go to Lebanon, go open up these schools and, and work on this business. And this documentary, we're going to do part two and try to raise some money for her family. And then I fucking see the documentary and it was fucking death. And the only good thing, Jasmine, really so far is I got to see two people stepped up for me. And one was named Brenda and she stepped up and she fucking put basically another year of her life on hold. 
her parents are both sick. She's taking care of them. But to help me out, I had nobody. I have absolutely fucking nobody. I was I had left Dallas. I hadn't lived in Dallas for five years, four years. I hadn't seen Mochico in five years. That was the reason I was down here in the first place. I lived in Pennsylvania. I lived in Philly for three and a half years. All my friends are in Pennsylvania. All my bookings are New Jersey, New York, Philadelphia. When I got charged in Virginia, I had to go back to Texas. I'm living in Texas at a shelter with nothing. All my bank accounts are frozen. I haven't gone back to Canada. I can't do fucking anything. Plus there's COVID. I'm at the gas station. A wrestling fan happened to recognize me from an indie show in fucking Dallas. I did. He gave me a free cell phone when I walked out of jail. I was able to call three people. I happened to get a hold of one person and I met this guy. I went down to this restaurant and I met Brenda there. She wanted to do some boxing classes and some boxing lessons. And I said, sure, I'll train you. Try to get you in there. You know, she just, she's an older lady. So, you know, 45, just wanted to do some training and some boxing for her. She said she liked it. It was good cardio for her. And we became good friends. And that was my best friend. It's the only person that stuck by me all this time. You know, I have a lot of other friends that are in the business, but nobody gave me time because nobody fucking knows me. And then they got to watch the TV with all this bad shit being said about someone that they love and they care about, you know? So, and then I was going to say the second person was you because Harry, I don't consider Harry someone that came out of the, you know, came out of this as someone I already knew before, but people that came into my life after this bad shit happened was you and Brenda. And there's a documentary guy named JT Barnett, who's supposed to do this documentary on me. Who's the original producer of the tiger King. Right. And he's the producer of the tiger King. So he heard my story and he did all the research. And then he actually got my hard drive, which NBC had the hard drive. And when he saw the hard drive, he looked through hours of footage. He, he couldn't believe all the stuff he saw on the hard drive. That was good. Look, good, happy, fun stuff with the girls. Because I've been filming my wife and I for six years. So he saw all of the other stuff, all of the work we did, all of the cats, all of the cooking, all of the weed, all of the business and how happy they were. And they weren't being filmed as a, as a camera. They were just being filmed with a home video camera. So that's just like me and you, sex tapes, yeah. all of the stuff I had. So they have all these sex tapes. The girls would do sex tapes with me. They'd always used to film shit. So I have all their sex tapes with me. I never put one out there, but for me, for, 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 it hurt my feelings to have to hear I rape these girls that are sitting there in a fucking video sucking my dick or fucking there's three of them in a video. That's because that's what they wanted to do. I'm not paying them or forcing them. And then I have to hear like that I was, I'm such a creep later that they were just disgusted. Then why the fuck were you with me for day one, day two? Like Macho was disgusted by me. It's like, dude, you were living with me. You wanted to get married to me because I couldn't bring you back to Canada. The relationship was over. I couldn't bring her to Canada. She wasn't allowed in the fucking country. That's the documentary. They don't, they don't, they don't understand that ruined her life. After that, she fucking didn't want to deal with me because she knew the, the hope of me and her was to bring her back to Canada and to get married. That's what she was hoping for. And to be part of the Hart family and to, and to learn how to wrestle in Canada and to meet my dad. And that fucking dream for her was over with Kurt and Fred videotaping and like, haha, oh shit, you're not allowed in the country now. And then after that, she goes home. They hear, oh, there's a new girl in Calgary. Machigo goes fucking nuts. Oh, you're taking this new girl to Florida? You left me in Dallas to take care of your cats while you're on run. Sorry, my phone, my phone's about to die. Yeah. But yeah, I get that. Now, what will happen now is like, um, I'm going to, okay, so this comes out soon. So what I want you to do, because we're out of time almost, I'd like to know what message you have for your fans. And if anyone wants to find you on socials, where can they find you? Uh, I don't even I don't even know what I have on social media anymore, Jasmine. 
You're uh, on Twitter. So no, uh, I'm not on Twitter. That's, that's not you br- on Twitter. Okay, so no, it's they, they, so yeah. I want you to give people a message before we sign off. I really want you to give a nice, court, concise message that you want people to know, aside from the truth, because now they know the truth, right? And I think you needed to get this out of your system because you need someone to listen, obviously. You need an audience, but you needed to do this before you can proceed with other things. Well, now, I, I appreciate the platform to do anything and to, to, to be able to talk freely and to have someone listen and just kind of, you know, just go with it instead of trying to cut everything and cut everything I'm saying into pieces and like it's a fucking lie detector or something like that. I, I'm my message to the world basically would be don't believe everything you hear. And uh, there's two sides to every story and, and to do, and to do, if you really care to get it, to make a judgment on somebody, I would think to be accurate with it. And by being accurate, you get both sides of the story and you get the evidence and you do your homework. If that's what you want to do is if you want to do, if you want to really, uh, you know, decide somebody's good or bad. And that's what you, that's what your dream is, is to fucking be detective for the week. And you wanted to judge me, then judge me on what I did and watch all my videos and pay attention. If you have time, if you're concerned, I'm not saying you have to do shit. Any fan out there, I don't expect you to even remember my name. Really, honestly, I'm at that stage where people, the world's moving so fast and that I'm not wrestling right now. And if you want to go back in time and live in the past, then you can watch 25 years of my wrestling and judge that if I was a bad person, then why'd God let me walk away right now? Uh, completely fucking scot-free and that my code is on the street as i believe if you're a good person i'm sorry hold on continue i'm sorry no just saying my code is more like a street code as i treat people on the street the way i want to be treated and i think the street protects me all these years i think that's why i'm still walking without a cane or a wheelchair without a surgery because of the the fans that really knew me and loved me and how i treated people uh, and that's that's God watching. And I, sometimes I feel like God's got certain things he takes care of, like your health and wellness. And those are little things are like being in a car accident and not getting hurt or, you know, being fortunate enough all these years, like I say, to be able to go through all this shit with the jail system and not have to go to prison. You know, so just um, I feel blessed at the same time. I t- it's just to everybody out there, count your blessings and the, the be happy for the simplest things you can imagine, like having a roof over your head and having a shower and having a bed and like small little things mean a lot more to me now than, than I ever thought they did before a nice meal and just say a prayer for you before your meal and uh, pray that the world starts to get uh, more peaceful and calm and that people start to be more understanding. It feels like everybody's judging right now. And I, I would hope that it goes back to more of like a, a compassionate, sympathetic uh, type of audience that's got empathy and understanding for situations, you know, not so fast to fight and flush somebody's life down the toilet. Yeah, I agree wholeheartedly. So thanks so much for joining me. And, um, you know, I really wish you the best of everything on your journey and things will get better. Mark my words. Oh, I pray. Thank you so much for being positive and giving me a chance to talk. I hope you're enjoying the ride on Crazy Train with Jasmine St. Clair podcast. So if you are, do me a huge, huge favor. Woo! Please go ahead. Go on to Apple Podcasts or Spotify or whatever, but Apple's great. Give me a nice rating and review. Send me a screenshot and I promise you I will send you a special goodie bag. So please rate and review Crazy Train with Jasmine St. Clair podcast. And in exchange for that, once I see the DM with the review, 
and your name and address, I will get those gift bags out to you. I'm not going to tell you what's in it. 